On this episode of the This Is Believe One podcast, I'm talking with Elaine Shercliffe, and we're talking about baseball and some things that Elaine isn't really happy with. <laughs> Am I really happy with anything when it comes to baseball this year? <laughs> Well, uh, the Cubs are still doing good, so I mean that's that's good for you. Uh, still the only team without a, a COVID positive uh, test, so also good. Got to knock on that wood because I'm not about to have that happening good. And, you know, if the Cubs don't win anything, I want them to at least win league champs for having zero COVID positive tests. Yeah, they are the uh, completely random banner holder. Right. Yeah, make it up on the spot. I will make them a banner, okay? <laughs> it will hang in Wrigley Field next to the W flag. <laughs> It'll be COVID-19 with a huge circle and an X through it. Right there. <laughs> oh, that'd be too perfect. Um, so let's start, let's start with there. Uh, Cleveland was in Chicago last night. And of course... There was an incident between these two teams with a drone, and somehow Trevor Bauer was not involved. Well, we don't know that for sure. He didn't play last night, right? So there's a chance. Maybe. Maybe doing some scouting, <laughs> advanced scouting. I love that Francisco Lindor was, like jokingly went behind the ump and was like, no, no, like this is so scary. <laughs> This is the second drone incident I can remember happening this year. There was one between uh, the Twins and the Pirates like a month ago, and it shut down the game for like half an hour because they were just hovering above the field, and they just they can't resume until yeah. it leaves. Well, and this one was totally, totally fucking with them. They're mm -hmm. like, we're going to go down. We're going to come back up. We're going to go on the landing track for a little bit, <laughs> on the warning track a little bit, and then we're going to leave. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I was just expecting it to come back. I was just like, really? A drone? I was too. I was um, I was hoping that one of the pitchers would pull a Randy Johnson, and instead of exploding a bird because they hit it, they, they would explode a drone because the drone would just like whip right in at the wrong time. We did not get that, so I was thoroughly disappointed. <laughs> I mean... If there's a former uh, Cleveland baseball player that they could have used at that moment, it was probably Albert Bell, so we could just use some pure rage and destroy that thing. Or it could have been Trevor Bauer. He would know how to, like, he would walk up to it, dismantle it, keep it for himself, maybe. <laughs> I, I mean, he'd probably have a drone with him in the ballpark and just, you, like, use it to fight it, because he's got, like, some sort of, like, like, projectile missile to take it out with. It's like, okay, I took it out, we're done, we're good, let's go. Drone wars. We should definitely tweet at Watch Momentum and be like, we need some drone wars, okay? <laughs> I need them right now. <laughs> That'd be pretty entertaining. Um, unfortunately for Cleveland, the drone part was probably one of the, the highlights of the game. Um, it was not a good game. Who was playing? I can't remember who was playing center, but... He couldn't get in front of that ball, and, and Schwarber went from first to third. It was Delino de Shields. He's got a noodle arm. He, I don't know. And it was funny because the Fox Sports Ohio commentators were throwing such shade. They were like, <laughs> this is Schwarber who can't run. <laughs> I mean, you, you might as well have one of the Browns offensive linemen out there running the bases. I mean, it, 
if you can't throw out Schwarber, who can you throw out? And and he was like, he was pushing it. He was going faster than normal, but still, it was not. I mean, I'm a slow runner. I'm not making fun of Schwarber. Like oh, he's I am. got the. <laughs> 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 he, <laughs> He's got the fat kid run, like, I, I know the run because I do the run, <laughs> but, like, he, I mean, he's not fast, and I was just like, oh, the Indians aren't winning this game, and then I thought they were going to in extra innings, but then they decided not to bunt, so. Well, let's, let's talk about bunts, okay, <laughs> because bunting is probably the most divisive subject when you talk, when you go on baseball Twitter. Yeah. And... <laughs> It's mostly because the people that they have bunting aren't necessarily good at bunting. And when they, oh, when, they when they do bunt, it's usually awful attempts like we saw from Mike Freeman, mm-hmm. who should barely be playing. Okay? <laughs> barely is very kind. <laughs> Listen, you want to give someone a day off? Is Mike Freeman my first option? No, but if it's a right-handed pitcher, I'm not like going to be like... It's in revolt because Mike Freeman's in the lineup today. I'm like, okay, just don't put him in the two hole or the five hole. Bat him ninth where he belongs. Yes, bat him ninth for the love of God. Or, or eighth. Eighth's fine too. Just in a position where he's not going to be counted on to drive in runs. Yeah, because he can't. No. He tries. He tries. I think that's what's, what's so sad. He tries so hard, but he's just so bad at hitting. <laughs> he's not an outstanding hitter at all. Like, but... I think maybe Trevor Bauer could hit slightly better than him, and that's only because Trevor mimics everybody else. <laughs> oh, let me ask you this. Who would you rather have up at the plate, Mike Freeman or Sandy Leon? Because uh, I would rather uh, just give up that out right there. It yeah. Just, to have nothing, neither of them at the plate. I would just be like, just count it out. We'll go with the next guy in the lineup. Right. I would rather have someone who's really good at taking pitches to the face or like the arm. So Brandon Geyer. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, poor Brandon. He's like a ball magnet. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, to bet the, the Cubs they don't have Nick Wickren on their team. We could have put Brandon Geyer in the, in the in the lineup and have Nick Wickren just hit hit him twice. Just hit him. That's all that. <laughs> I should have laughed about that. I've been hit with pitches. They hurt. <laughs> yeah, they're not fun. They're not fun. Not fun <laughs> at all. But I, we know what Brandon Geyer was. Brandon Geyer was essentially there to get hit by a pitch and hit the occasional home run. Yeah. Which, I mean, those are very, those are very important skills, though. <laughs> um, okay, so back to bunting. <laughs> I don't get why it's so divisive. I don't get why people hate it so much. I don't get... I I enjoy a good bunt, um, and I love it when it happens, just because I love to go to Twitter afterwards and just watch people get so angry about bunting, even if it's successful. And they're like, oh, I can't believe that worked. And I'm like, they fucking scored. Like, <laughs> yeah, every, you, you, You'll see everybody getting mad, then you'll see me taking a victory lap, being like, embrace the bunt! <laughs> Victory lap. Um, I my favorite kind of bunt though is where <laughs> they're like, "Yes, I'm totally gonna bunt," and you know they're gonna bunt, and then somehow it dings it into <laughs> into the outfield. 
<laughs> that happens in softball way more than baseball. I can't tell you how many times, like, I I would go up to butt, and then all of a sudden it would just, like, ding into, like, the edge of the outfield. And I'm mm. like, that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> like, I remember there was this player for the Tigers probably eight, nine years ago, maybe. His name was Quinton Berry. Yep. First career hit was a bunt double. Yes. <laughs> I was watching that game, and I... Like, I was in tears. I was like, Dad, look at that! <laughs> I was just... I, I saw it happen. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> it, That's it, when, the, when you know you can bunt or you know, like, the infield's feeling a little mm-hmm. yucky. Like, you gotta bunt. Just like last night. No out. Indians are in the corners. They didn't bunt. You don't bunt when there's two outs. Mm-hmm. It, you shouldn't even really bunt when there's one out. But if there is zero outs and it's extra innings mm-hmm. and you have the ability to, like, bring home a guy on third and you're not the best hitter, fucking butt. I mean, I say hitter, I mean, like, long balls. Like, just butt. Just do it. It, it. Suck it up. Who cares if no one likes it? Even the announcers were like, now is a good time to butt. And I was like, uh, I've Avoid the double play. With you. Yes. Avoid, avoid the, the double, double play <laughs> and set yourself up. You know, to possibly drive in runs. And, you know, I, I guess the counter-argument to that would be if there's one out in the inning, man, on second and third, they'll just walk someone to load the bases to set the double yeah. play back up. But at the same time, that still puts the odds in your favor. Yeah, I mean, exactly. the, the whole argument against bunting, it's the whole giving up and out and, you know, analytically, percentage-wise, statistically, it takes your chance of scoring a run down. But that's because... No one does it, and there's not a real stat. There's not a stat. stat, There's not a real stat analytic wise for bunting. It's kind of like in hockey, where like there's not a true stat to show you a good defender. Mm -hmm. There's not like a true stat to show you a good all around batter in baseball because it's all so point based in the sense of like. Did you score the goal? Did you hit a home run? Like, it's all so based on the big numbers instead of the, the, the big picture. Like, bunting, you might not even get someone home, but if you can move batters around the base, like, a good hitter doesn't need to hit home runs mm-hmm. or, even, or even hit, like, um, pops, pop-ups to the deep pops to the, um, the outfield. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can hit a good juicy low line drive that like goes towards the ground and bounces and someone can't pick it up like that's a beautiful thing we don't see that as much anymore Mm-mm. i get it everyone wants to score a lot <laughs> a lot and that's fine it makes it exciting like slam diego bring it on like <laughs> you keep running up that score i love it <laughs> but i also love a good well-rounded batter i can enjoy both I'm very appreciative of bunting because it's it is a lost art in baseball. Very few people do it. Very even less do it well. And it's tough, and you have to. So I, from my experience in softball, it's very easy to get hurt when you're bunting. Mm-hmm. Like I have very long fingers, and so I broke my middle finger. <laughs> While bunting, because I couldn't, 
as I got older, I couldn't get it like my hand positioning just right without getting my finger in the way mm-hmm. of where the ball would hit. That's, you know, it's also how your body's made up that makes a good bunter as well, mm-hmm. you know. <clears throat> and you have to be a faster runner, too. You have to really give them put the fear in the eye of the pitcher mm-hmm. where like you're running so fast to first he forgets that someone might be running home and automatically instincts would be to throw to first because you're like, Oh shit, that guy's going really fast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like a good bunter knows when to bunt, how to bunt, where to direct the bunt. Mm -hmm. And you also have to know what the catcher is going to do. Like there are some catchers I would never bunt against because I knew that they would pick up that ball within like two seconds and they would probably chase me down, <laughs> tag me, and then, like, throw it to the pitcher at the home plate and get that person out, too. So, like, I know that there are some catchers out there who are really fast <laughs> and really smart, <laughs> and I would never bunt against them. Yeah. But that's not every team. Mm-hmm. It, so, yeah, it's a lost art. It's a – I don't want to see bunts every game because they're not going to come out well every game. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a perfect perfect catcher to bunt against Major League Baseball, Gary Sanchez. He sucks defensively. I would bunt against him every single time and not think twice time. about it. Yeah. Not, I wouldn't even think right. twice about it. I'm like, well, he's going to bobble this. It's going to go between his legs. Uh, I mean, and any catcher that is, there's, since a, there's a common trend now in baseball, any catcher that puts one of their knees down, bunt oh, against yeah. them. Bunt all day. Because you know what, it's gonna take it's gonna take him a little bit longer to get up to go get the ball than the standard crouch. Which okay, I have a question about that. Like, <clears throat> why is that a thing now? It really bothers me. Because so when I played softball, I was catcher, left field, first first base. Um, if I had ever put any knees down <laughs> on the ground, my dad, who was my coach. <laughs> would have made me run miles in my catcher's gear for doing that. I, I don't think you have the the ability to spring into action as well. You don't have the ability to control yourself. I don't understand this one knee thing because it also keeps you fairly off balance. Um, now, if you're doing it every once in a while, sometimes it's a strategic thing. Like if you have people at the corners or if you have someone on second and third and no one on first, <clears throat> then you would maybe like do it to position your body to put you into a place so you could spring into action at the the home plate. But doing it all the time, it's I don't get it. Do you know why that's come about? Uh, a lot of the catchers that are doing it when they're crouching are bad pitch framers. Okay. This makes it a little bit more stable and easier, easier for them to frame pitches. I don't like it. I don't. I don't like it either. I mean, the guys that are doing it are are not really good defensive catchers. It's just it's improving them right. just a little bit, so they maybe get an extra strike call they wouldn't necessarily get. But right. The at the same time, those are also the perfect catchers to try and steal on because you can't yes. throw from that position either. You can't unless unless the way that you are positioned. But there's like one base. You would have to be positioned towards that base for it to mm-hmm. work. But. Your core is so important (laughs) as a catcher. And so if you have this strong core and you, which then also helps make your legs stronger, if you're in the squat and someone goes to steal 
second, if you and your pitcher have, and your second baseman have a great relationship, your pitcher will know to move to the side or bend down a little. You don't even have to lose the squat position to throw to second and get someone out. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's a reason they measure pop time, and it's important. Right. Exactly. You can't pop if you get your knee on the ground. Exactly. Let's be real here. Um, <laughs> there, there are very few people I would even trust to make a an on target and fast enough throw to first or to second base. Right. In, I feel. And, and very few of them are actually baseball players. It's like, like I'd probably uh, count like on Patrick Mahomes being able to do that. He's got a cannon. Oh yeah, I bet Trevor Bauer could do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very biased <laughs> when it comes to Trevor Bauer and what he can do. Um, <laughs> hey, I wouldn't doubt it. Right? He does so much. I mean, he's not like amazing at everything, but he just, it's like he practices things he finds interesting and then he gets really good at it. <laughs> I'm like, okay. But that's another thing I think baseball is, is missing too, is good, solid catchers. It's mm-hmm. just not, the way it used to be. Um, I know I sound old and like get off my lawn, but I just miss a good catcher who, you know, even, okay. So softball is different. Softball had tons of amazing women catchers, like Mm -hmm. who are very defensive, very smart and they can hit. So like I am, and they're good hitters. I'm not talking like home runs. I'm talking around well-rounded. But for the MLB, the catching scene is just like, I feel as though they're like, well, you're good enough to be on the team, but not for many other positions. So we're going to make you a catcher. Like, that's what I feel like happens. Like they played catcher once when they were younger, or that was just the spot that they chose because they thought it would get them on the team. But I, I just don't feel like the MLB has these catchers who really embrace the catcher life. Does that make sense? I understand what you're saying. I mean, there are a lot of bad defensive catchers, and there are even more bad offensive catchers. Yes. Um, and most of that's because if you have a catcher and he's good offensively, they as soon as they can, they move him to first base or DH to cut down right. the wear and tear, which I understand. I get it. You want him to have a longer offensive career, but at the same time, you're putting a lesser player at the catcher position to preserve this other one. Are you really making that much of a, a difference in the short term? I know long term, yes, but short term, probably not. No, and, and I think, too, you have to take into account, like, relationships with the pitchers as well. Mm-hmm. So, like, I've the Indians in 2016 had really great catcher-to-pitcher relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, but those catchers were also very well-rounded. They were both offensive and defensive. I felt, I felt like they were more well-rounded as a catcher. They were. And if any of them didn't get matched up with their typical pitching partner, that pitcher didn't do as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the team didn't do as well. So I think people take for granted just how important a catcher can be to the team as a whole. Because I think, you know, they help give that confidence to um, <clears throat> to the, the pitcher. It's kind of like, I don't know, I always go to hockey just in case someone's listening and they... <laughs> And they're not understanding what I'm saying. But it's like, people don't give the defense enough credit. Mm-hmm. Okay? 
if the defense is good, a goalie is going to be confident. If you have bad defense or even bad offense, the defense has to step into the O, and then the goalies play in like two positions essentially. Yeah. It's like the state. It's the same thing that happens with with the pitchers and with the infield whenever the the catcher is not that great. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like they just underestimate the value of a good, you know, a good catcher. Yeah. Which is why also when I uh, draft in fantasy, <laughs> fantasy baseball, I always pick a catcher first. You pick a catcher <laughs> first? Oh my God. <laughs> I have never placed last in any fantasy league. I've, I've never won either. Well, it's because um, you pick a catcher first. <laughs> but, you have to be unconventional sometimes. I mean, catcher is usually a position for the unless you get like the elite catcher, you can punt on it. I guess. Just say. But you pick the catcher first, so you get the elite catcher, I guess. But uh, if my option <laughs> is Fernando Tatis Jr. or a catcher, I'm taking Fernando Tatis Jr. every day of the week. Well, if I could. If I ever picked first in any of these leagues, mm-hmm. I would do a little bit better about. I always, except one time, always have been p- picking last. Mm-hmm. It's always random, and I always get last. Except the one time we did an NHL one, I was first, and I picked a goalie, and I ended up second that year. So I don't want to hear anyone coming. <laughs> uh, who went second in that draft? Um. Well, obviously it was Sidney Crosby, and then it was Malkin, and then it was Jonathan Taze, and then it was Kaner. And <laughs> but my goalie was Sergei Bobrovsky the year that he won the Vesna, so it worked out. <laughs> where where was uh, Ovechkin in that draft? He was after the other people I said. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> So you said, to the hell with offense, I'm going with a goalie. Yes, it's fine. Like I said, I played second because I was able to work up some really good trades. You could have placed first if you took one of those other guys. <laughs> Probably. No, I wouldn't have because what saved my ass every game was my goaltender. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sleep on those goalies, people. Well, you could have made up the difference. I don't know. We don't know. That happened. It's gone. <laughs> it is better than kicking kicking a kicker for your first pick. Oh. Unacceptable. It. It's fine. I I don't take fantasy that seriously. I mean, who who's your pick? Austin Siebert? No, I picked out what's his name? Her oh my god, I just forgot his name. I love how I have to go look at my tweets because I tweeted all this out. Oh my gosh, my why can't I remember? It was uh, Harrison Bucker. Yes, yes. Harrison Bucker, yeah. He was the number one fantasy kicker. That's so, the only reason why I picked him. So not Cody Parkey. No, he wasn't. He wasn't number one or two. I think he was like four or five. But he can, he can hit an upright and a crossbar on the same kick. <laughs> okay. 
it's kind of like how I picked Nick Foles last, just in case Trubisky throws in the towel and fakes an injury halfway through the season. <laughs> Jeez, the, the Browns decided to go with frickin' Cody Parkey. I and, know. Uh, I'm like, why are we going for round two of this? We had this already. Why do we want it again? I only have one Brown on my team, and that's OBJ. And he played like trash last week. I know, that's why, um, that's why, what, did I put Prescott in over him? I can't remember what I did. Wait, <clears throat> he's not starting, let's just say that. Oh, well, pine time, that'll teach him. Oh, no, wait, no, he is playing. It was Joe Burrows that I was going to start. Never mind, just kidding. Uh, OBJ's playing because they're playing against Cincinnati tonight. I'd probably play Joe Burrow. I was going to, but I had Dak Prescott. They're playing against Atlanta this weekend. Atlanta's defense is trash. So is Cleveland's. I know, but, like, I could get... You saw my team, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I picked a kicker first, defense second, and fourth, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So, now that we've successfully been off track for 10 minutes... um, It's not a podcast with me unless I get you off. (laughs) Back to baseball. You're frustrated with something. With Ralph Manfred? Yes. And, you know what, I just think that he attacked the social media... Because Watch Momentum and Trevor Bauer are doing such a great job of promoting the league, and the MLB is doing an awful job of promo- promoting the league. Well, yeah, they are doing an awful job of promoting the league. It's... And I think, I, I just, I don't understand why a player ever has to ask for permission to link to their team or at their own team on Twitter. I get if it's something disparaging. Like, um, like if Trevor Bauer was like, fuck the Reds, (laughs) like that probably doesn't go over well, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, these players want to promote the game. Yeah. They want to promote each other. They're not trying to just promote themselves. They're trying to promote each other and, and those lesser known names, you know, and Mm -hmm. it just, it bothers me that someone would have to ask for permission to tweet at their own team. Yeah, I, I don't understand baseball's way of handling anything, really. Um, yeah. Especially when it comes to, you know, social media or uh, all of, like, the replay things. I mean, if you wanted to post a highlight on um, on Twitter, you could you could get hit by, the you know, the whatever the rules are, the copyright rules. Was it DMCA or the hell it is? And... I- uh, I think so. It, I'm not sure. I mean, every other sport you can you can post a you know a highlight you know sweet touchdown you know catcher you know look at this three pointer you know look at this awesome goalie try to do it with baseball it's boom DMCA warning it's like what the hell it's like you right. know, every other sport's just like yes please share what happened in our game and you know so everyone knows what happened everyone knows who these players are but you know baseball nope this is like 1952 we're gonna control all the media and. Uh, yeah you have to ask permission and pay us to use those clips. They're just so yeah. far behind all the other sports when it comes to 
when it comes to that. And it, it obviously shows in the way that they handle social media because right. they're applying the same logic, really. Right. And right now with no fans and there being multiple other sports going on, mm-hmm. this could have been their opportunity to let their players and even their their uh, the team's Twitter accounts just go fuck wild. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. this is their chance because they had to fight against hockey and the WNBA and the NBA and now football. Yeah, okay? and they're, they're never going to win against football or the NBA. Uh, they might have right. they, they might have won against hockey or the WNBA, but not now. But not now. No. I mean, the WNBA had so many people, like, watching this this during this bubble because, A, the NBA players were promoting them. Mm-hmm. B, they were on channels we could watch. Yeah. And C, their social accounts and their players were just lighting it up. Same thing with softball right now, like, um, with Athletes Unlimited. Like, their socials are just all over like the girls are the women are just constantly tweeting out clips of the games and and that's how it should be and you know the cubs and the indian socials have been really fun <laughs> the indians sometimes get i get a little worried about them <laughs> but you know more teams need to be social you know and more players if they want to be social should be allowed to be social don't force your players to be social but it appears that there are many, many MLB players in the minors and up who just they they want to they want to connect with their fans. They want to connect with each other. They want to get to know each other. Um, I think it was like on Watch Momentum or maybe Trevor Bauer was on. Jared Kravis's was at the ninth. Starting nine. Starting nine, yeah. Um, talking about how like they don't always know everyone that's on the other team or even their own team. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what, if it was, I think it maybe was watch momentum. I think it was probably Bauer Bites. Yeah, I think it was Bauer Bites. And they're saying like, they don't even know everyone on their own team mm-hmm. because of how people come in and out throughout the day. So like you take away that social media aspect of it. <laughs> you have players who literally do not know who some of these pitchers are or mm-hmm. some of these backups are like, that's not okay. The, the NHL, everyone knows who is on their NHL team, which is like 25 guys. I think it's 25. And then a lot of those teams players know who's on their minor league team as mm-hmm. well. So that's like about 50 guys. They all know each other. They all talk. They all get, and part of that, too, is social media. Mm-hmm. Like, so you now not only are you hurting relations between the team and the fans, you're hurting relations within the team. But he apparently doesn't care. No, I mean, Robert Griffin doesn't give a shit. I mean, <laughs> the way that they just want to do to run things is that it, they just want to have, you know, monetary control over everything. It, have it only go one way, which is why it's a complete failure on their part. Right, if, and just if, think of if they don't, you know, expand out and you know broaden their horizons, you'll see them completely, you know, just continue that downward trend of where they rank in the sports. I mean, what thirty years ago, maybe twenty five years ago, baseball was king. Right, it and, was. And what do we see? Before social media, baseball was king. That's how I feel. Like that's fair. 
the rise of social media put um, more sports out there. You know, like mm-hmm. there, you realize that there was more sports you could watch. More sports teams grew, expanded as social media rose, especially the more niche sports. Mm-hmm. You know, you saw more, and soccer's not a niche sport. I know that, but like, it's not as, as popular social... in the United States as it is everywhere else. Yes. So you saw with the rise of social media more specifically when Twitter started coming about more. Mm-hmm. You saw more um, soccer teams enter the league, more hockey teams, more um, women's sports getting more play. You know, so at some point the MLB had to look at that and go, huh, maybe this is an issue. And then you started to see college teams gaining more traction. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't just OSU. It wasn't just Michigan. It wasn't just, like, Florida and and your normal ones. It was, like, all of a sudden everyone knew about what was going on in Louisiana. (laughs) Everyone knew about Oregon State instead Mm -hmm. of University of Oregon. People knew about those smaller community colleges in... um, on the coast of California who have really good baseball teams, like Orange... Was that, like, Orange County Coastal... I think that's what it's called. And it's kind of like a Cleveland state. Mm-hmm. So not a community college, but not like an Akron or yeah, it's more on par with Akron, but you know, like it's not a big, oh, big school, but they have a good program, but mm-hmm. people didn't know about that because that's the West coast. And a lot of people on the East coast had no clue. Mm-hmm. And so you saw the rise of all these programs starting to flourish and the MLB stayed the course. And then even made it harder after that, mm-hmm. made it less accessible. And I, I just, I don't get that. They, if they're even looking at it from them wanting to make money, think of all the merch you could sell and all the tickets you can sell based on promoting everyone. You could make so much money on merch. Like mm-hmm. I, there are players that I didn't know on other teams like I know the Cubs and the Indians um, and I know the Yankees because I need to know specifically who to hate Um, (laughs) 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 but on other teams I I probably really only know like the main players like the key players but those aren't the players that the fans that come into the game Mm -hmm. love to buy merch for so if you could really tap into the fans and be like, who do you love? Like, who would you be disappointed with if they left? Because we're probably going to trade them <laughs> because they aren't one of our staples. Like, promote the crap out of those people. And I'm not. And if you do it in the paper marketing way, you end up losing losing money mm-hmm. that way because you have to keep using those. I mean, think about when the monsters got rid of Carter Camper, and then the whole next season on the front of the building was still Carter Camper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that stuff costs money. Um, but I mean, the Cavs had no problem taking down every Cavs player <laughs> that left so fast. All those elevator doors were empty. <laughs> oh man, I remember in in 2018 uh, when you know it was like Dwayne Wade and Derrick Rose and you know all those guys on the team. I, and I came down. This is before I lived in uh, in Ohio. I came down for a game and I, a bus drove by me. It was like just some tiny bus and it was like it was like wrapped in Cavs things. I'm like. We sure those guys are going to be here in like two weeks? <laughs> right. They, they weren't, by the way. They all got traded. But it was just like, 
that seems like really expensive. Yeah. I think that's why when they did the remodel of Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, you don't see, um, you see a lot of history, mm-hmm. but you don't see a lot of, they didn't spend a lot of time putting graphics on the doors of the current players of both teams. Because last year, like you saw, and mm-hmm. the year before, like when you were, when we were on the beat together and then mm-hmm. the year before you joined, this year, they didn't have a ton, so it wasn't like a big deal. The yeah. year before you came, everybody got traded that was on those freaking doors. <laughs> And the year before that. So I can't remember, I can remember like coming on a, the Friday night game and then a bunch of people got traded and coming on Saturday and the elevator doors had nothing on them. <laughs> I was like, wow, that was fast. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's money. It's a lot mm-hmm. of money. So don't put it into, don't put the marketing into like things that, have to stay around forever don't put that on your billboards as much don't put it in like things that cost like those huge posters that cost like thousands of dollars to make hundreds Mm -hmm. put it into your social media yeah put it into digital stuff because that's costs significantly less and if it has to be changed you can change it just like that it's it's really it's really easy and and baseball is like nope yeah. Right, keep doing it the old way. I mean, it's... Put them on your programs, you know? Make it more so that, like, your programs have, you know, if they're lesser-known players, stop making the program, like, one person. Mm-hmm. Put multiple players on it, because the likeliness that you're going to trade all of those players is very slim. <laughs> I mean, but... <laughs> think about, like, cult hero-type players. You put a cult hero-type player on it, everyone's yeah. going to love it. I mean... Right. You, who, who was, like, the best Cavs cult hero of the past decade? There's more than one. Who's who's the best notable cult hero? Not necessarily the best player, but when he comes in, everyone just gets super excited. Matthew Dellavedova. Exactly. Austin Carr. Larry Nance. I could keep going. I'm, last ten years is what I said. <laughs> but Matthew Dellavedova. It's Delhi. It's, it's Delhi. If it's not Delhi, it's Channing Fry. Okay. Or, or even Richard Jefferson. Richard Jefferson, another guy. And he wasn't even here that long. <laughs> but the thing is that you think about cult hero type guys. Maybe they're not the best player. When you come in, everyone gets super gets super pumped. Yeah. You know, uh, think about a uh, you know Verajal back in the day. Oh, think about it, Z. Anytime Z walked in that building, like I knew he he was in town for something to do with the Cavs, and he came to the Monsters for something. And he walked in that door, and the energy in that building changed. And I was like, what's going on? And everyone's like, oh, my God, he's in the building. <laughs> I was like, wait, for real? And I almost stopped covering the game to go find him. If that's not proof enough that he is a legend. <laughs> I mean, a, a, another guy, you know, called your guy, you know, uh, Daniel Gibson. He's another guy. Oh, boobies. Well, yeah, those shirts they made, we still, I need to find mine, but they said, I heart boobies. <laughs> <laughs> it's gold and, and maroon. Beautiful. But you know, but those type of players, those are the those are the ones that yeah. helps you know everyone. I guess maybe casual fans or people that aren't necessarily from that city get a better understanding of the team. Right, because everyone's going to know the stars. Is, right, and NBA is so the NBA has gotten really good at promoting their players and allowing the players to promote each other. Mm-hmm. Like it's insane, and the NBA also lets places like Cleveland Clothing Company 
use their logos and make those kind of shirts. But they, because they know that people are going to come to them for the jerseys and they're going to come to them mm. for the more specific Cats merch. Like, I don't understand why the Indians, well, MLB in general, like, there's just. That's why you see specific deals with players and not deals with teams for baseball. Right. That's you know, true. You, 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 you know, you look at everything that, you know, let's say GD artwork has all the specific player tees. Yeah. It's with and, the players and uh, a vague representation of the baseball team. Right. It's kind of like with Tito. Okay. He has that line of spaghetti sauces. <laughs> you can, you can buy them at Mark's and Heinen's in case anyone was curious and wanted to buy them. They are delicious. <laughs> uh, they make good lasagna. Just a little promo there. <laughs> um, but you don't often hear it talked about. And most of that money goes to um, goes to a good cause. And I want to say it was the Indians Foundation and something else, but I'm not 100% sure. I'd have to look that up. Mm-hmm. But the MLB doesn't promote that. Yeah. The Indians don't promote that. And it's such a great thing because, one, it doesn't taste like shit. Two, it, he's doing something good with something mm-hmm. that his family, like his family is good at with like their sauces. And it's like one of their like, it's them. It's mm-hmm. not like they got ragu and then like slapped the label on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like their recipe and they could do so much with that. They could have a night where they have like spaghetti night or something or like make meatball subs. They could market that in such a way, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the the marketing aspect in which they could have done that for Tito across the league, not just in Cleveland, but then they didn't. Like I have to deep dive to learn about our players in both the Cubs and the Indians, and that shouldn't be the case, especially since both of them are constantly in the media spotlight. Mm-hmm. All the time. First, it was because they suck so bad and could never get to the playoffs <laughs> or win a championship. And and now it's because everyone thinks they're worth talking about, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And yet we still have to dig for information about individual players. And, and although, you know, Cleveland's on their longest losing streak in eight years currently. So. Oh, my God. I know. I don't I don't have any hope for them doing finishing the season well. I just uh... their, their offense is terrible. It is so bad. It's so bad. I think that there's there has to be something going on in that that well, um, that locker room. The the absence of Tito is not helping anything. Let's let's no, let's let's, let's start off there. That's not they're, helping anything. They're um, so different without him. They just don't have that same like, woo, hey, Jeff hands. Like, they're not as much fun. Like, they started having fun last night, and then it was like, oh, wait, we're having fun. Oh, we can't do that. <laughs> well, something they tried for a, a minute is after, you know, the, the Cubs came to Cleveland and they saw how energetic and, you know, all the things that the Cubs were doing, they tried to, you know, kind of, you know, replicate that and, you know, and do it, but it really didn't change much, um, you know, in, in the results column or, you know, performance-wise. Right. So, you know, they kind of stopped doing it. But... Uh, Interestingly enough, um, you know their their hitting coach opted out of the season, right? And as much as people cannot stand Ty Van Berkeleo, um good at what he does. I, I, I we're looking at this team, let's say hit, but I guess not hit, 
Right. um, You think, can they even win a game in the postseason, much less the regular season right now? Because, I I mean, they're playing the Tigers. So, I mean, if anything is going to cure an offense, it is playing the Detroit Tigers, okay? (laughs) Let's be real here. But it is Cleveland team, and it's 2020. And so when everyone says anything could happen, what we've discovered with Cleveland teams in 2020 is that it can only get worse. <laughs> yes. And, and that's not even talking about the football team yet, but that's a oh, whole different discussion for a different that's day. A whole, that's a whole bag of poop. Probably a... <clears throat> nope, I'm not going to say it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeer about Odell? Um, anyways. <laughs> uh, anyways. Uh <laughs> Baseball team needs to turn it around <clears throat> very soon, very quickly, because, uh, you know, Shane Bieber, great. Uh, Zach Plesek, more than adequate pitcher. Carlos Carrasco has been finding his groove, going a little bit deeper into games lately. And, you know, yeah. you still got Aaron Savali, and, you know, Tristan McKenzie is still fun to watch. Right. But if they can't hit, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But also... I don't feel like the I don't feel like the pitchers are like embracing themselves as much. I feel like some of them are holding back. They're just not them like I don't feel their personality when they're pitching anymore. Like that is slightly bothersome to me. Like maybe having Clevinger still here was good because he did you did see more of their personality come out when he was here. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's no longer the case anymore. Um, just like there's a disconnect on the team in general. But I think that's Sandy Alomar. But <laughs> I mean, I love Sandy Alomar. I really do. But what we're seeing right now is a reason that he has not gotten an actual manager job. Yes. This is exactly why. It's a lot of like what I say goes. <laughs> I think that's why Trevor Bauer is flourishing in Cincinnati Mm -hmm. because he can be his own self. I think we're going to see Mike Clevenger do really well in San Diego because they're going to let him be himself and do whatever he needs to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Was I mad at him for lying and throwing a teammate under the bus? Yes, I was mad at him for so many reasons. Did I say that... He should get traded to the Cardinals and the Cardinals should be like shot into the sun or sent to the shadow realm. I did. Did I mean that 100%? No, I am an overdramatic fan sometimes. <laughs> Le- Listen, if Clevenger didn't do what he did, I would be 100% supportive of him still being here. Yeah. Same here. And if the, the pitching staff was not pitching up to, you know, to the level that you know they are... I would prefer that he would still be here. But the reality is is that he did what he did in Chicago. There was the actions afterwards. And the pitching staff is still going to keep sustaining their same success rate. Which is good. We need something consistent. (laughs) The the trade was meant to help with offense now and in the future. It looks like so far it's more towards the future. (laughs) Josh Naylor. I like Josh Naylor. I think he's someone that, you know, changing leagues, being switched in the team in the middle of the season, especially this fucked up season, yeah. not going to be easy. 
Um, I'm not. I'm not like, oh my god, Josh Naylor sucks. He can't be in the lineup. But, you know, like you see on Twitter, if you just go, on, you know, why is this guy in the lineup? I mean, and no one's got to the point where they said, I'd rather have Mike Freeman in the lineup, and I hope nobody says that. Um, but I know what Josh Naylor can be, and I'm hoping that's where he starts to trend in that way. Uh, Austin Hedges is, is what Austin Hedges is. He's a guy who's going to bat like 180, and he's going to hit home runs, okay? So that's what he is, and that's it. You know what we need? The Indians need a good bunter. <laughs> <laughs> I we you know, looking at that Clevenger trade. There's the other three pieces that are minor league guys that are in the future, and, and until luckily, and, until we see where those guys are, where they right. appear in the major leagues, I'm not going to be like, yes, they won the trade, or oh fuck, they fucked this up because we've seen time and time again they make a trade and at you know at the end of the day they come out being on the right side of the trade. Uh, very few times have they made a move. It's just like, well, that was a complete fucking disaster. Right. And the, the minor leagues teams are really good at making the players better. Mm-hmm. Between the Ducks, the Clippers, and the Cap... No. Captains. Cap, yeah, the Captains. <laughs> they they do a, a really good job of getting them ready. You know, mm-hmm. it's the same. They don't treat it like it's the minor leagues. You know, they mm-hmm. treat it like this is your opportunity. This is like major light. <laughs> like this is... This isn't just you getting a free pass or anything. This is, let's do this. So there's yeah. that too. And they're nearby. It's not like, what is it like the Cubs have their minor teams in like Oregon and Iowa? They have <laughs> Iowa and Tennessee maybe? I feel like there's something in, I don't know. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's all over. That can't be good for development. I mean, it probably Let's see. Iowa Cubs, Tennessee Smokies, Myrtle Beach Pelicans, South Bend Cubs, Eugene Emeralds. That's class short A season, yep. so that doesn't even really... That's true. Yeah. But, I mean, everyone else, uh, you know, except for, like, Myrtle Beach is at least close, kind of. It's kinda. not super far. <laughs> I mean, I don't it's think... It's two hours, or it's not an hour and 45 I, I, minutes, I, 40 I, minutes away. <laughs> I don't think many teams are going to have the luxury of just having all of their minor league teams with like within an hour and a half of each other, or two hours, or whatever. It's just Ohio is that awesome, and everyone should be there. <laughs> Let me tell you, those freaking Cubs, I love the Cubs, I love Chicago, I grew up there, but if I hear one more fucking Cubs fan say that no one would ever, ever vacation in Cleveland, I am going to go and, like, hack all of their Twitters and punch them in the face. <laughs> Cleveland is a delightful city. We have good beer and, and steaks. And tacos. <laughs> we have a museum dedicated to rock and roll. Listen. And for a while, our river had not been set on fire. But unfortunately, that is no longer the case. We are, what, like two weeks now since the river got on fire? <laughs> Damn taker. Um, yeah. Cleveland, come for the tacos, stay for the river fires. Um... Yes! And we we should change the name, yes. Um, and I'm I'm all for the Cleveland Buzzards. I want that. Buzzards. That's, that's what I want. 
or the Cleveland Burning Rivers. Those are my choices. So you're not in favor of just going full Washington football team here? Uh, no, I'm not. The Cleveland baseball team. I can't I, do it. I, I can't yell it like at a game. Like, let's go, Cleveland baseball team. Kill me. Stab me in the eye. Like, that's why I feel. I mean, I, I refer to them as baseball club because that's technically what they are as a baseball the club. The CBC. The CBC. Yeah, there you go. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Just cheer for the player. You avoid that whole situation by cheering for the player. Listen, that's not how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to cheer for the team, the team on the front, not the name on the back. Well, baseball is at least it's the it's a one on one sport, so you're going to be cheering for the pitcher at that moment in time, or cheering for the guy in the batter's box. So you well, get away with it. Call them the Cleveland pitchers. No, that's bad too. That's awful. But think about it though, the Cleveland buzzards. Like it's such a huge part of Cleveland, and people all over the world know what WMMS is. Mm-hmm. And one day someone's going to try and screw things up and destroy the buzzard. So let's save the buzzard by naming the team after it. And buzzard merch is like a hot commodity. So they'll make even more money, okay? And we won't be offending anyone. It's a win-win. The only problem is is that you would have to figure out the color scheme because I don't want anything that resembles the Yankees. I know I put up a tweet the other day saying that White Sox fans are attractive because there's something about a man wearing black and white pinstripes and knowing that he's not a Yankees fan that makes my heart palpitate. (laughs) If I am going to be cheering on a team in the seats, I don't want to for a second think that I'm cheering on the Yankees. So they need to work on that color scheme. And it can't be black and yellow. Oh, this is so hard. (laughs) It's very difficult. I'm glad I'm not in charge of it, um, for one. Uh, But as much as, you know, we don't like the Pittsburgh teams, uh, one thing I am envious of is they were smart enough to have all of their teams be the same colors. Same colors, yes. What is it? Ohio's just like... Okay, so the reds are red and white. Mm -hmm. And... The Bengals are orange and black. Orange and black, not orange and brown. Like, no. of course, like <laughs> it's, it's orange and black. Of course, they couldn't have the football teams have the same color. <laughs> orange and black. Uh, the Blue Jackets are red, white, and blue. Yes. The uh, Indians are red, white, and blue. Cavs are wine and gold. Sometimes powder blue and orange. You know, gotta love that eighties and mid nineties. <laughs> and the Browns are orange and brown. I wish the colors were kind of the same. But they're not the same in a lot of places, like Chicago. They're all pretty different. Shit, why don't we just make them, like, purple? You know, fuck it. The Cleveland Buzzards, black and purple. Let's fucking it's, go. It, no, no, that's the, the Ravens. Ravens. <laughs> that, that's another bird that's <laughs> black and purple. Damn it! What about pink and black? You know, because we know all those, like, emo, trendy kids from the early 2000s probably got their start in Cleveland. Pink and black. (laughs) Pink and black. I'm trying here, okay? Pink and black could work. (laughs) Pink is a delightful color. They should embrace the trend that so many other teams have 
decided to bring back and like a light powder blue color. Ooh, powder blue and black. I could dig that. I could dig. Let's make that happen. Let's yeah. draw up some. Let's make some mock-ups. Send it to the Indians and be like, "We have your idea." Oh, because powder blue is also like the buzzard back in the day. The buzzard was all that powder blue. Oh, that could work. <laughs> <laughs> I am way too excited about this. On something we have no influence over. <laughs> I'm going to make it my, if I have to write an article and talk to the, the Cavs section, I mean the Indian section of SB Nation and be like, can I put this up? <laughs> I'm going to do it. <laughs> uh, what's the name of their their espionation site i don't remember uh um hold on i know that the reds one is the red reporter i don't remember the name i of think theirs. it's just tribe talk right uh, um because well because oh, the the, the um the calves are fear the sword we're the cannon. Let's go tribe. That's what it is. Oh, let's go tribe. Yeah. So they would just have to change it to let's go buzzard. That works. That. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great idea. You know it. Stop trying to fight it. Embrace it. Embrace the buzzard and the powder blue, light blue, and black jerseys we're going to have. They're not going to be pinstriped. It's going to be beautiful. You know, once upon a time, they did have pinstripes. I know. I love a good pinstripe. But if black is in it, I don't want it. Okay, don't Unless... make it black. Make it powder blue. Ooh, I would buy one of... Okay, see, we're on to something here. Just think of, like, a hat with, like, all the little buzzards on it, like a light blue pinstripe, and then, like, buzzards all over it. Why are there multiple birds on the hat? Because... <laughs> Birds of a feather stick together. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, uh, I had no answer. That was the best I could come up with. I'm going to say singular logo so people don't think they're midges. <laughs> good point. Good point. Okay, so just one. Yeah. Or you could have like a black hat and the bill of the hat is orange. Like... The buzzard's beak. <clears throat> Look at this. I'm already coming up with marketing See, ideas. See, that sounds like a better idea for the Akron Rubber Ducks. Well, why can't we do both? That would actually be perfect. The ducks and the buzzards. Oh! So, that, so uh, those two teams are, you know, related. You got the, the captains and the clippers. There yeah, you go. Yeah, that's like sea-related and birds fly around the sea. Just go with it. Just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to write an article about this. I'm going to do it. Yeah. It might take me a few weeks because I'm definitely going to try and find a way to draw up something. It's going to happen. Well, I cannot help you in that department because I cannot draw to save my life. I can't either. So if anyone's listening and they would like to help me mock up <laughs> these uh, Cleveland buzzards. <laughs> <laughs> Uniforms, uh, hit me up. It's at I'm a Ray Dancer. <laughs> I would <laughs> I would put my phone number out, but that would be weird. So no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing this down. <clears throat> Sorry, You're... I totally took us off like topic so many times. 
That's fine. Uh, as we all know, the wonderful Cleveland Browns play this evening. Uh, we are recording this before the game happens. Yes. And this game is actually occurring on my birthday. Yay! Oh my god, that's right! Happy birthday! Thank you. I'm such a dick, I'm so sorry. You're fine. So, there's something I refer to as the birthday curse when it comes to the Browns. Well shoot, maybe I should have started fucking Joe Burrows over. (laughs) You can still change, the game doesn't start for four and a half hours, um... I looked back at their record since 99 on my birthday. Now, again, the Browns have been terrible since 99, so this, you know, just disclaimer, chances are this record is going to suck anyways. They are 9-12 and 12 during the week, or, you know, the game played closest to my birthday. Which isn't terrible, if you think that's about it. Considering I mean, how the Browns, that's really good. Yeah, that's an improvement. They, funny enough, they're actually 9-12 and 12 in week two, which is usually the birthday game. So they're going to be 9 and 13? Possibly. <laughs> because, you know, as we all know, they're 119 and 1 in week 1 since 1999. This team. So, you know, think about it that way. Then, uh, they have not won on my actual birthday since 2000. I'm sorry. That's and like they've the lost, they've <laughs> lost two consecutive games on my actual birthday since 2000. So I've not seen the Browns win on my actual birthday in 20 years. So let's just pretend that your birthday's tomorrow, which would be Friday. <laughs> and pretend that, yeah, and then maybe the Browns will win. I feel your pain, though, because... The Indians have never won on my birthday since I've been alive, I don't think. 1985. I think it's been like 30-some years. I don't think they won this year. I'm not positive. I was watching hockey that day. (laughs) That was weird, and I loved it. (laughs) Um, I can't tell you how many games I went to. Like My parents would buy me tickets to go see the Indians, and every year I'm like, this is going to be the year. They're going to win on my birthday. And they never win. And it's never a close game. Mm -hmm. It's always like, you know, by the third inning that they're going to fucking lose. (laughs) But you have hope tonight because it's against Cincinnati. There is hope. There is hope. There is hope. And I started OBJ. So, you know, there's hope that I have some luck. Probably not. I'm hoping I, I just I, I look at the the past that's happened here, and I'm just like, okay, I know what this is. Like so you're prepared. Uh, oh yeah, I'm totally prepared. I'm totally prepared about you know this this entire season. Uh, but I mean, there was one instance in 2003, maybe I think it was, where Jamal Lewis broke the single game rushing record on the game closest to my birthday against the Browns. And we yeah, were out, I think it. We were out to my... eat for my birthday when that happened too, so that was fun. Yeah, I think that was my freshman year of college. So yeah, that would be. Yeah, I'm sorry. That sucks. <laughs> That's the, I'm the, so sorry. The worst part about it is he said he was going to do it before the game. He's like, I'm going to break the single game rushing record this week against the Browns, and he did it. You know what the Brown? You know what though? If we can get Baker Mayfield 
to be his cocky motherfucking self like he was in Oklahoma, they will definitely win. If he goes out there and, like, grabs his crotch after doing, you know, in the air tonight, his little drum solo, grabs his crotch and then says, I'm going to score six touchdowns all by myself. I'm going to run them in, motherfuckers, and then run them in. We'll be fine. But he hasn't been. He's been so, like... I mean, hear me out. As a professional... Was it the Cheesecake Factory? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but, let, let, hear me out here. We This is beginning of season three with Baker. Yeah. We've seen one half of a season of good football against bad teams. The other season and a half in a game has been bad football. Yeah. If you're going off Not of production... Not just from him, though. From, like... If Baker is playing bad, everyone is playing bad. At least the quarterback usually goes that way. But well, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if we're going off of you know historical data, statistics, performance, what would you say is more likely, or what do you see as the more accurate description of him? That half of a season against really bad teams, or the season and a half where he's played bad. The yeah. the larger sample size is more indicative of who he is as a quarterback. Not yeah. that small sample size. No, that's true. You know who we need then? We just need to find a way to get, to like sell to Tom Brady that coming to Cleveland, like just leave Tampa Bay right now, just leave them. Well, there's one move they can make currently that will make this offense run much better. Oh, geez, what is it? I have no clue. Is there a player that you don't like on the team? Please enlighten me. <laughs> It's a simple change at the quarterback position. <laughs> Put in Case Keenum, a guy who knows this offense, and oh my god, the offense is going to work. Yeah, I don't... The The Browns are kind of like every team in Cleveland in the aspect of they find a player they like, they see their bright, shining moment, and then they just cling to them until like they're forced to have to get rid of them. Like, especially with QB, like they just. The the thing with Baker Mayfield is that I was not a fan of his in college. Oh, um, I'm sorry that you didn't enjoy his delightfulness on the field and his it's his it's dance moves. It's it's, and... it's not the personality. Of it. His play as a quarterback, his play on the field. I was not a fan of his. No. Um. I wish we drafted Mitch Trubisky. I'm glad we didn't. Like, I don't think he was good for the... Okay, so here's the thing. I didn't think he was good for the Bears when they drafted him. I was very confused why the Bears drafted him. I felt like the Browns at the time... Not now. The Browns at the time could have done something with him. Um, But maybe Jay Cutler will come out of retirement and join join the Browns, right? Okay. Is that possible? No. (laughs) <laughs> so listen i like it when my two teams combine as one team okay so you know what the browns really should have done but they didn't are oh, you ready i think i do yeah stay at one with miles garrett yep let the bears fall on the sword of mitchell trubisky yep you know mvp mitch uh they can they can take him you you did that wrong it's mitch vp come on now come on <laughs> <laughs> Then at, everyone 
can see the look that you just gave me. <laughs> and at the number 12 pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Cleveland Browns select Deshaun Watson. But we had to trade down to take someone, uh, somebody else I didn't want. Jabril Peppers. Wait, I love Peppers. Why is Peppers? Okay, I love Peppers, first of all. Secondly, though, why did we, why did they trade down? Why am I yelling? I'm so sorry. Why why (laughs) Why did did they they trade trade down? Yes. Because the computer told them so. Is that seriously? Did they just do full full analytics? This this is an analytics draft. We could have a whole conversation about analytics. This was an analytics draft. Then, oh, and how about this spectacular move at the end of round one? We trade back in to the end of round one. Uh, Ahead of the Steelers, we have an opportunity to take an impact defensive player to pair with Miles Garrett. They could have they could have two awesome edge rushers and Garrett and T.J. Watt. But instead, we get. David Njoku. Who I know you love so much. He's like your favorite. <laughs> you know, the best birthday gift they could give you is to just, like, cut him before the game starts. I, Happy I, birthday! We're going to cut him! Well, he's on <laughs> IR right now because he got hurt. Oh, that's right. Well, look at that! Happy birthday! He's not going <laughs> to play on your birthday! <laughs> well, you don't on... have to watch his awful play skills on your birthday. You're going to be blessed night with happiness he, he caught his three <laughs> catches for the season last week he caught that one garbage touchdown that people were going so happy about everyone's like look he caught that pass i'm like middle schoolers catch that pass that wasn't impressive right. okay that little end zone touchdown you didn't do anything special right can i just point something out that makes me laugh about everyone is everyone gets on my metaphorical balls about the fact that i always pick defense second mm-hmm. and fourth. It's it's like not even I always pick a defense pick for my second pick and like my third my fourth or my fifth pick, okay? But then during the regular season like during the season when they're watching their own team, they're like, why does our defense why didn't we draft someone earlier for defense? Well motherfuckers <laughs> See how well it works. Maybe if you just took some better defense earlier, teams wouldn't be so bad. Follow the Elaine Shercliffe way. Don't draft a kicker first. Don't do that. <laughs> you really went full, you know, Raiders there by taking a pick in the first round or a kicker in the first round. Nothing wrong with that. I, I, I mean, Sebastian Janikowski. Do we, do we have to see who they took? We're, we're doing we're doing this right now. We're gonna find who who they took, who they took. Okay, two thousand draft, pick seventeen, Sebastian Janikowski. Oh look, two picks later, Sean Alexander. Oh, they're so bad at drafting. I I, I mean, the Browns they're are so good. Bad. I mean, like the Browns are so bad at drafting. They're just the worst. I don't know, like. Okay, so I used to think that the Jackets were, like, weird about drafting. Mm-hmm. But then I realized a lot of times they were drafting people that, A, they thought they could mold, or B, would be good trade pieces within a few years to get them someone better from another team. Mm-hmm. It has worked out very well for them, especially recently. Um, but the Browns, when they draft, and I just I don't really understand 
what they're doing. And sometimes I get excited. Like I was like, yeah, Baker Mayfield. But if I really had sat down and looked at it, I would have been like, Baker Mayfield doesn't fit in Cleveland. (laughs) If I put as much thought into the Browns and the Cavs drafts, the way that I put into the Jackets or any NHL team draft, I probably would be very aggressively angry for every draft. Even the Bears, too. The Bears are not really that great at drafting either. Like, I would be aggressively angry with all of my teams if I put the amount of effort into scouting <laughs> their graphics the way I do the NHL. I, I, the problem with the Browns is that there's so much <laughs> turnover and change every year or two that all, none of the picks mesh together. And so right. you're just left over with guys that were drafted by somebody else who wanted to do one thing with that player, but these guys don't want to. I, well, they don't have an identity. The Browns have never had an identity other than, like, losing? the Browns. Yeah, other I, than... <laughs> I mean, I was on the phone with my dad earlier today. We we're talking about, um, you know, Jimmy Haslam, uh, you know, the owner. And here's the deal with Haslam. He has the best intentions. He wants he to win. He wants to win. His problem is that he seeks the advice and suggestions from anyone who could possibly give it to him. I mean, but I instead give of, him some advice. But instead of filtering that and being like, hmm, that's not the best idea, he goes, yes, sign me up. <laughs> I describe him as a yes man with power. So the power exchange in this scenario is backwards. Instead of huh? instead of the person below him being the yes man saying, yes, that's a good idea, it's the guy who can actually do something saying yes, and that's the problem. Is that yeah. every single time he solicits for advice, someone tells him something and says, yep, we're doing it. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's bad because it's never like the, the homeless until man. he can sit down and say what kind of personality or identity he wants the team to have, everything's going to sound good to him. I mean, come on, the homeless man and Johnny Manziel. Stop! <laughs> come on. <laughs> I I've heard former. But listen, Brown- though he got Kevin Stefanski here and. He's a very beautiful man, and it's a shame he has to wear a mask right now, because that's really the only good thing about the Browns right now. Uh, I'm cons- I'm concerned <laughs> that they have a coach that comes in with a scheme and not a way to yeah. put something together around the players. Because, um, interestingly he got, enough, he got uh, let go from his team for the exact reason for being bad at the exact thing that we uh, need him to be good at. Because. Uh, uh, Captain Scheme, uh, who I'm going to call him here, now Captain <laughs> Scheme, came in week one uh, with an offensive game plan that was not fully installed, and um, it was confirmed that because they did not have all of the plays installed, that they were running plays from last season. So uh, they, they were running like, f- fucking Freddy Kitchen's plays last Sunday because... Why? We be- fired him because those plays... Fucking suck! I didn't watch the game, so I, I don't have much commentary on that. But now that I know what the plays were, I can say that we should just burn but the season they were, down. They were running those plays. They were running those plays. Why would you run those plays when they do not fit schematically with what he wants to do? Now, we bring Freddie Kitchens back for some reason because that's what happened. Like at that point, if you're not ready, because I'm sure they're going to use the excuse. 
there was no preseason. We couldn't work on things. Bullshit, bullshit, blah, blah, blah. Then, then explain um, explain Kyler Murray, like, throwing 14 right. passes to DeAndre Hopkins. Explain exactly. explain the guy who I wanted to hire, Josh McDaniels, tailoring the offense to Cam Newton, and Cam Newton looks like Cam Newton again. Right. So, at that point, if you didn't really have time to go over your new plays, don't even use the old plays. Look at your quarterback and be like, you know the team. You know the team better than I do. Draw something up. YOLO I mean, it. it it's, Hail it's, Mary. Fucking Hail Mary. You <laughs> a flea, fix, flea flicker. Everyone knows how to do that. <laughs> I, I was talking with someone earlier, and the, the, what we both said was they should have only installed a, a small handful of concepts, but ran them out of multiple formations. So you're essentially running right. five or six plays, but they all come from different formations. And that's, that's what they should have been doing instead of focusing on this really wide playbook of all this shit. Then somehow, for some reason, still incorporating the fucking Freddie Kitchens plays. And maybe they don't lose 38-6. They probably still lose, but maybe it's 28-17. to Maybe they score 21 points. That's what does get the Browns is their playbook is so big. Okay, so what, what hurt the Patriots against the Titans... Titans. Yes. 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 Against the Titans was Mike Vrabel knew that playbook back and forth, front and back, you mm-hmm. know, like, and it's because the playbook is small mm-hmm. and then there's variations of it Yes, that you can, you can implement during the game mm-hmm. at, at, at any moment that anyone that has half a brain could just like say, okay, instead of, do instead of like running to the left, we're gonna go up the middle and then do something crazy. I don't yeah. know. Like the Browns constantly try to overcompensate, mm-hmm. and they they do need to keep it simple. Like that is something many teams run into in all sports. The playbook just gets too big. You need a small playbook. Because... Execute those small things perfectly. Right. Because if you can't do that, why the hell would you want something? five, eight, ten times as big that you are terrible at. Exactly. Like, find out, find five plays that you can modify and make better plays during preseason or the first week of the season if there's no preseason. See (laughs) which one of those five they excel at really well. Mm -hmm. Like, what is it about those five that, like, they do well in? You know, like, the different parts. Like, where does the QB excel? Where does the running backs and then draw up plays based on where they excelled on those five plays. And you might not even see those five plays really ever again. Like, mm-hmm. you're just modifying them. Yeah. Coaches don't do that as much anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like, treat it like you're... Sometimes you have to treat it like you are a Division Six high school coach in Western Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> With or even Division Five, like treat it like these boys don't have time to learn everything because they got to go farming in the fields. And I mean, this is a legit thing. I know it sounds funny, but, um, and drop really quick plays, see how they take to them, and then go from there. Like sometimes when you're a new coach, you got to do it that way mm-hmm. because you have a bigger team, a short turnaround. Give them some easy peasy things that they can expand on and modify. Because if you can't do it easy and fundamental, then you're not going to be able to do anything, which you basically just said. Yeah. And one last thing on the Browns, and we'll wrap this up here. Uh, The fake punt. (laughs) 
That was their first time they've lined up in putt formation all season. <laughs> all season being, you know, one game, but that was their first time they lined up in putt formation. They go, nah, fake punt. Because apparently they have some sort of read that nobody else does that says, fake punt. Okay. I, I understand, and a lot of people like to point out, oh, if this guy gets his block, well, he didn't. Okay. Well, he didn't. <laughs> I don't care if one guy gets a block or, you know, this other person didn't do his job. A fake punt in your own territory against the fucking Baltimore Ravens. In week one, no Week one. And your first punt. It's not like you punted three times and you saw something like, oh, they're doing this every time. Right. It was fake first punt, we're doing it. It's, it was dumb. I I wonder what other, uh, you know, trickery they have up their sleeve uh, this evening because, uh... Probably not going to work. No, it's they're probably going to go for like the good old Lucy Charlie Brown. Look like they're going to kick it, just yank it out. Oh jeez, they were on a fake field goal tonight. <laughs> uh, on one hand, I'd be happy because Cody Parkey isn't kicking the actual field goal, but on the other, I know the play would be a complete disaster. <laughs> so true. I just, <laughs> I just. The Browns should never be doing trick plays to begin with. And no one, no one should be running a trick play in the first game. First game, first game is fine. First game's fine. Not the first time you are in that formation. That's true. That too. But even then, like, if you pull, if you pull, if you show people in the first week that you are ballsy enough and stupid enough to try and run a trick play, they're going to sniff out your trick plays every game for the rest of the season. They're going to know. I mean, but, I mean, these are the people. But pe- they're the Browns, so they know that they're not going <laughs> to I mean, gonna these are the geniuses that thought they were getting some sort of competitive advantage by not telling us who the play caller is going to be. Yeah, what is that? What is that? It's nonsense. Complete nonsense. It's because they didn't know. Uh, you know, Kevin Savansky says that, oh my god, it was always going to be me. I was just waiting as long as I could. It was just, it's like, what are you doing? You're, you're, that might work if you're playing against the Browns, not if you are the Browns. Okay. You're playing the Ravens. The Ravens know who they are. The Ravens are good. They're good. Elite defense, uh, established coaching staff. They've been all been there for a long time. That's amateur hour shit. That's not going to work against them. You want to try that against the Steelers, too? It's not going to work. How about no, the Patriots? Not going to work. Anybody that's in the division, it's not going to work. Not a single it, person. There are, like, two teams that this trick works against. The Browns and the Lions. Outside of that, it doesn't work against anyone. <laughs> I just hate that we're on the same level as the Lions. Hey, when the Raiders were bad, too, they were still grouped in that same group of teams. And the funny thing is, is that for the longest yeah. time, those three teams would just trade players all the time. Or, you know, those players would just switch between those three teams. The Lions, the Browns, and the Raiders were this just kind of circle of terribleness where they just keep having the players just go from one team to another. That's that's how I feel it's getting in, like, a lot of sports. They just share. They have, like, players who are, like, the village bicycle, and they just share them within the division. <laughs> and that was that was the Lions, Browns, and Raiders for the longest time. I mean, they they would just bounce from one team to the next. I'm like, wow, that guy's on that team now. I mean, Deshaun Kaiser was on the Raiders. Yeah. Okay? 
He had so much promise. And, you know, countless players have... Can't, I mean, the Browns okay. got Sean Rogers in the Lions. Oh, yeah. The, oh, wow. The, the Browns got, that. at one point, had Ted Washington, who at one point played for the Raiders. The Browns are just bad. It's it's a nonstop but circle of nonsense. I love, I love them, and I love the Bears. And I know that every Sunday that my heart's going to get broken. But this Sunday, only it's only going to get half broken. Just like tonight, it's only going to... Actually, tonight, the Browns are probably going to win. Hey, birthday curse is real. Listen, if Joe Burrow goes nuts tonight, I'm going to be so mad for start, for listening to everyone else and going against my gut and starting Prescott. Browns are without four defensive starters tonight. Four. No, four. It's, it's fine. It, it won't be bad. No Greedy Williams, no Kevin Johnson, no Mac Wilson, no Jacob Phillips. Oh, I forgot about Mac. Yeah, I should probably start Joe Burrow's. Up to you. Just saying. But Atlanta's so bad. And Prescott is so good. Do what you want. I just want to start a fire, but I also kind of want to win now. Because my friend Tammy is paying my ass, and she's who I'm up against this week. And she will never let me live it down. Joe Burrow's a boomer bust proposition. I'll tell you that right now. I know. You, you want the safe, consistent, you'll probably get like... Somewhere in the neighborhood of 18 to 20 points. I don't know how your league works, but Dak Prescott's probably your guy. However, yeah. there's the possibility that Joe Burrow goes off for like 35. And right. Just saying. Oh, I mean, oh. <laughs> maybe I should have taken this draft a little bit more seriously. <laughs> just a little I've got, bit. I've got good defense, though, okay? I got the Ravens and the 49ers. Hey, defense wins championships. And I have Nick Foles as a backup quarterback in case I ever need to to use him. He's my sleeper pick. <laughs> <laughs> Why do people let me into fantasy league? I don't know, but can I join your league? <laughs> <laughs> it's too late now, but maybe next year. <laughs> next year. Next year. Okay. <laughs>